As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A borderline 12-goal thriller? Can a Sunday league team have their own footballing way? What the hell is happening to the nation's crossbars? Can a striker be the heartbeat of a team? Countdown ace Susie Dent plants her flag on cliché soil. The greatest opinion on VAR ever uttered. Can second v third be a top-of-the-table clash? Tottenham kicking off at Google Road in 2024. And Keys and Gray yet again on Gagan Pressing. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 198 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry. And with me for the adjudication panel, first of all, is David Walker. How's it going? Very well. Episode 198. Mm. Staring down the barrel at the big 200. Some debate over whether 200 really is big, and whether 250 should be the next landmark. Um, um, yeah. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We might not be around. So um, <laughs> uh, 200 is uh, big plans, hopefully. Fascinating clip I was sent from Adam Hall this weekend. It's a clip of Phil Foden doing some foot golf somewhere quite lamangery, and he says, am I hearing David Walker jibing an overconfident Phil Foden during a round of foot golf? It's uncanny. No pressure. No pressure. Could you just hear the no pressure again, please? No pressure. No pressure. Oh, it just really sounds like you. <laughs> Hey. So what was it like in Lamanga with uh, exactly, Bobo? exactly? You haven't asked the question. Maybe, maybe it is me. Maybe I've just kept my my relationship with Phil under wraps. It, fair, it, it, fair play. Is, is it you? Is it you? No. Oh. I do like playing. I do like playing foot golf, but um, I'm more familiar with the terrain of Romford than I am Lamanga. 
yeah, not don't think Romford's quite got the cliffs of uh, no. wherever that uh, foot golf rub was being played. Quite dramatic. Um, alongside you, once again, is Nick Miller. Hi, Nick. Hello. Um, you may recall last week we were talking about various score lines and, and which score lines could justifiably be called thrillers. Dominic Foote has drawn my attention towards uh, Wrexham 7, Barnet 5 from the weekend. He says, I'm torn. Is this a 12-goal thriller? The fact that Barnet were winning at one stage and the sheer number of goals make me think it might be. However, the fact that Wrexham were 7-3 up in the 64th minute makes me think not. Where do we stand? Is it a 12-goal thriller? Double figures of goals in a game. I think almost regardless of... As long as it's not a kind of, you know... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 9-1 or something like that. Then, yeah, I think that counts as a thriller, doesn't it? I think so. Dave, I mean... I understand that there was a, there was it was seven three after just after the hour mark, so that was in thrashing territory. And then Barnet made a late rally, but Barnet were leading the game earlier in the in the match. They were leading two one after half an hour. I think that alone saves it here and makes it comfortably a twelve goal thriller. Definitely, it's so it's such a, an absurd scoreline hmm. that it's almost no way that it can't be a thriller. Also, regardless of any order, any order of those goals going agreed. in, there's that many goals on both sides. It has to be yeah. thrilling. Yeah. Plus the, the you know two, two goals for the team behind in the, in the last twenty minutes or whatever it was. That's real kind of oh good day territory, isn't it? Well, I mean, it was seven five in the eighty fourth minute. You're looking at another good ten minutes more of football. Yeah. Um, and that squeaky bum time, uh, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, <laughs> the undefinable squeaky bum time. Um, <laughs> Time for the adjudication panel and kicking off in its now traditional way, which is for my sins corner, an absolute cracker today. Um, I, I had the option of um, pointless or popmaster at my fingertips, but I've gone for popmaster. Uh, mouths at the ready. It's time for for my sins corner. <laughs> and this time it's Billy Samkin from Beckles in Suffolk. Good morning, Billy. Hi there, Ken. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. A little bit nervous, but happy to be on the show. Good. We are happy to have you here. Fantastic. So, uh, you um, are an apprentice, I believe? Yeah, apprentice. uh, Plumbing and heating. Love my job. Great. How long have you been doing that? A few months now. Starting college soon. So, yeah, four-year course. Um, Got plenty to learn, but... Yeah, I do enjoy it. Started off on the right foot anyway. Well done, well done. Absolutely, absolutely. At, at home, who do you have? I live with my mum and my dad and my older brother. Oh. So we'll all be tuning in, rooting for me. Quite right too, quite right. And you like your sport? Oh. Yeah, really into the sport. Love my football, love my cricket. Um, seen ticket Ipswich Town. For my sins. sins. Yeah! But, um, <laughs> Come yeah, on! That's their stuff. <laughs> Ipswich Town, they're not doing too badly at the moment, are they? Great stuff. An absolute (laughs) ding-dong battle there. David Walker's experience, perhaps, seeing him over the line by a fraction of a second. We'll we'll revisit in the edit to make sure. But um, great stuff. And you're both of you really coming into your own in this now, I think. Dave, but excellent stuff. That was one for the purist, that was. (laughs) Especially after last week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I won't rule it out. Nick, I won't rule out doing it again. I won't rule out a For My Sinsless, For My Sins corner. I think it adds a bit of spice. I was gonna. I mean, I was. I was gonna ask before whether we could clarify that whether actually there actually was a for my sins in this one, but mm. I didn't want to ruin the tension. So yeah. you know. I thought. I thought. I had to say. I thought. I didn't think you would get tripped up early doors 
with his kind of traineeship. I did think you might get tripped up with the kind of living at home with family situation. Not that it was particularly embarrassing for him. He's, he's a young guy, but um, uh, especially in this day and age. But uh, but no, you cruise through it. You cruise through it. Um, great stuff from both of you. Great discipline too. Dave, you'll enjoy this. It's becoming an increasingly regular feature of this podcast is people writing in with things they overheard at Sunday League. Um, Sam Barry says, said by an opposition player this morning after conceding, let's get back to the Harrier way. Like the squad had a philosophy nurtured over decades. Can a Sunday League team have a way? No. <laughs> no, I'd love to know, did he say when that was said? Was that like on pitch or was that team oh, it was talk? On the, on the pitch, yeah. No right. You see, that's, yeah. that's even more ridiculous. Yeah, because you've said it out loud in public and the other yeah. two can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, oh, that's, my God. That is dreadful, isn't the it? Harrier, the Harrier way as well. Mm. So are they, are they the Harriers? I presume they Presumably. are the Harriers, yeah. Let's get back to the Har... Like, that doesn't quite make sense either, does it? Well, I mean, if you, if you are a Harrier, you have a way. Yeah, Maybe but you if you were, like, talking about, you know, Bolton Wanderers, you'd call them... Come on, let's get back to the wonder. It wouldn't be the wonder away, would it? It'd be what? Let's get back to the wanderers' way. Surprising nitpicking, but um, yeah, I really think, <laughs> I think there's a bigger <laughs> issue here. Splitting, <laughs> very much splitting the wrong hairs here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, do you think there's any potential here that it might have been said ironically? I fear not, and I hope not. Well, after they conceded a goal, I mean, that was no. That's you, you can't you can't be sarcastic in that in that kind of situation unless unless this. The reach of this podcast is such that people are actually trying to get their own get things on now, and it's all it's possible. It's possible. Uh, the law of averages suggests there will be one listener <laughs> on the touchline for these sorts of things. But um, I did, the way is just so pompous, Dave, that I just I cannot imagine that it's reached kind of ironic levels at Sunday League yet. Not that not that Sunday League isn't capable of this, of course. I'd love to know if you, perhaps you could reply to this this man and find out what the way is. Yeah, we'll dig into it. Um, is their way? Is their way just smashing up to the big lad up front, just getting rid of it at any available opportunity? Keeping clean sheets, presumably, yeah. just staying staying tight at the back. Um, well, we're only a couple of degrees separation away from the Harrier, so we'll find out who and what they are. Now, the Erling Haaland juggernaut continues. So, and as does. The discourse. This is from Dan Watson, and the the Etihad Stadium announcer has been on our radar before. Dave, uh, I wonder how we feel about this. I mean, it, there is no question, Dave, that in the in the wider commentary sphere Erling Haaland has moved beyond who else but or that man no question I mean there there is nothing yeah. left we don't know what stage he's really at apart from kind of silly jokes about gold droughts so how do you feel about the Etihad Stadium announcer opting for who else well as as you said it's very much in his locker to do this I, but I feel it's slightly weird because it's a, a, who, a who else sort of works quite nicely on like Soccer Saturday when you don't know who the goal scorer has been. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, you, you get, you know, go to oh, there's a goal at the Etihad, and then Paul Merson says, who else? But and then you go, oh, it's Erling Haaland. Of course, I thought it was, in, thought it was like 100% rhetorical. These no, days. I mean, I think it. Well, I don't think it's 100%. I mean, obviously, <laughs> so you're it, not supposed to be on the edge of your seat with it. No, it, it work. It, it can work in 
you know, as a line in commentary or whatever, fine, because, you know, and, and this would be the time to use it. But I think it does work even better if it is sort of off screen and you're, you're revealing some information to the audience. But but nevertheless, how far is this bloke going to go? I don't know. I mean, Nick, I, I think with any other striker, any other club, I might think this is a bit of a pride before fall situation. Things could go any, go bad from here and he'll be made to look silly. But I think I think they're on safe ground. But um, returning to the theme of Erling Haaland, the discourse now, Nick, is just pure jokes now. Yeah. There is no, there is no sincere praise of Erling Haaland left. And uh, it's now all just sort of sarcastic jokes about goal droughts. And I, I don't know where... In fact, I don't even know where it goes from there. But... One man. The, the year is twenty forty three. Oh, awful! And... That was a bit. BBC Sport <laughs> yeah. tweeted that out, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That is disgusting. Erling Haaland still scoring goals. Scores oh, his there were three thousandth yeah. and forty seventh goal. The pits. Anyway. It's, it's... Is this the quick in terms of a player coming to England? Is that is this the quickest we've reached? We've run out of superlatives for this man. Yeah. Stage. Do you think? I think it's. A, I think it's. The problem is more meta than that. We've wasted all our superlatives on other players as well. So he's yeah. he's the, the well was already dry well, when he got here. About three weeks ago, we had this very discussion on the pod about running out of superlatives, and it seems we've. Re- at that point, I don't think we think we agreed that we hadn't run out yet. Well, but it seems like we might be getting there quicker than we thought. Yeah, so we've run out of superlatives and we appear to have run out of jokes or uh, at least as far as Pep Guardiola is concerned. There's even been a petition this week to get him banned from football. Did you laugh about that? That's Sorry? A, there's been a petition like this week. People were voting to get rid of him from the Premier because it's just yeah, it's, fair, like uh, No joke, yeah. Saying it's not fair to everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> well, as a joke, it's a good... <laughs> oh, he's not up for that at all, is he, Nick? He's not up for I, that at all. I have some friends who used to work in the comedy industry, and they were they they say that that they're so kind of in the industry now that when they see someone who's funny, they don't laugh; they just kind of go, "Oh, that's funny." Oh, right. And I, that's that that was what Guardiola was like there. We just said, "Oh yeah, yeah, the joke." Yeah, it was a bit like when when people retell stand up routines. <laughs> Or they retell, oh, my mate, like they retell a joke or something. Mm. It was funny the first time. You can't retell it. It's not your joke. Don't do it. You can't tell someone, oh, did you hear about this joke, Pep? I think the most excruciating thing about it was having to repeat the question. Yeah. Uh, not uh, uh, because Pep didn't understand it, because he was so underwhelmed by it first time round, and he had another go. I, I feel really bad for the reporter, I have to say. At that, at that point, if you're the reporter, do you not just kind of go, Ah, uh, never mind. Don't, don't worry about don't, it. Don't, no, sorry. Don't worry about it. That's yeah. right. It's rubbish. Forget it. Yeah, move on. Yeah. Just like you were doing a podcast, for example. <laughs> that um, must be such a hard part of that job. Now, I, I, I've got no idea whether that reporter took it upon themselves to ask ask that question. Whether they were asked by their editor or something to do it. Whether they just thought, you know, they just correctly assumed that they would have to ask it, so they just did it anyway. That's pure Friday content, though. It's pure but Friday. It, exactly. Content, but it's but just. You must so rubbish. In your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts, you must know that it's shit, <laughs> and and that it's not going to go down well. But you know you have to do it, even just to get the awkward clip of him not understanding it is still, in a way, job done. Hmm. So I understand how the whole ecosystem works, but deep down, they, I mean, oh god, I, I'm stunned. Actually, I have to say, I'm stunned, Nick, that the the appeal of um, of jokey petitions 
has continued. I mean, in, in terms of pure sophistication, it's up there with just edited Wikipedia pages. It's the same thing. Uh, that's the same level. It's only so good it can be. And then when you do it for 15 years, it stops being good. I don't know. What was the intent? The intention with the question was presumably to get Guardiola to oh, uh, have a good <laughs> yeah. laugh at it as well. But also, the, 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 there must have been a, like a where, little. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. But there must, yeah, there, but there must have been a, a, a tiny part of their brain that they thought, what if he took this absolutely seriously and really went off on one about how unfair it would be if the, the you know there was actually legislation brought in or whatever to ban Erling Haaland from the world's from out together. That would be yeah. that would have been great if, you, if you'd responded like that. Pep Guardiola puts that petition up on the dressing room wall. Just, <laughs> All of of the signatures. Just print them all off. (laughs) Enjoyed this from Club Hine next, Nick, who noticed uh, Michael Brown on Five Live talking about QPR's crucial 1-0 away win at Sheffield United in the middle of the week. Got uh, injured. Mm. I watched they covered the game at Sheffield United. It was a real gusty performance from them. Sheffield United had... What is... It feels like this should fall into the category of oh it's silly, but we know we know what it means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? There's only one theory here from Club Hine is that he was meant to say gutsy. Oh yeah, I guess. And so. but you wouldn't misspeak it. So I wonder if he actually thinks it is gusty. No, it's just a slip it's just a slip of a tongue, surely. It can't it can't mean it. Gusty. Gusty. The, Gusto? Yeah. You do, you know, you can mm. attack something with gusto, I suppose. But I think gutsy would have worked for this scenario, so it does. Yeah, it's uncomfortably close to what he might be meaning. There aren't any kind of wind-related ways that you can describe a, a performance or a football team. Don't well, I suppose it's a breath of know. fresh air, but mm. yeah. Uh, what's happening to crossbars, David Walker? At Livingston, Ross County, the other day, the Livingston manager David Martindale had to be called in to fix the crossbar because it was the wrong height before the game. Wigan versus Cardiff was delayed after they noticed that one of the goals was two inches higher than it was supposed to be. After being told that it would take two hours to fix, they just went ahead and played anyway. (laughs) Yeah. They had to recalibrate the Hawkeye. This is astonishing. I saw this on Soccer Saturday. Jeff Stelling was similarly um, astonished, and rightly so. So I assume... They, do they measure all the goals before the game as part of the referee's sort of pre-match checks? It was otherwise, actually, how would you, otherwise, how would you know? Well, it was actually the Cardiff it? coaching staff who noticed it. So we'll how could you referee. notice it? How, could you, how can you spot that a goal <laughs> two very, inches higher? I don't know. They, they're obviously, you know, two inches is a lot. But not, not to the naked eye from look, just looking at it with nothing to... Like, it's not like they've got two yeah. goals side by side. But if, you, but if you are... if you, This is what you do every single day. You, you are... Uh, mm. Proximate to goalposts every single day, you might look at them and go, "Hang on, that doesn't look right." Or well, yeah, I, I suppose that. like if you if you sort of sat yeah sat at home and somebody had moved something, and, yeah, it was something, <laughs> something off about what's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Well, oh, you've moved the Care- lamp, haven't you? Yeah. Cardiff caretaker manager Mark Hudson said um, a couple of the lads thought there was an issue with the size of the goals. So these are presumably exactly the same players who know the stats to uh, tell a player before the game. Students of the game, they know. <laughs> Maybe so, it was yeah. the. Go- 
the the goalkeeper doing that thing where they they uh, yeah. they touch the crossbar and the goalkeeper suddenly can't touch it. Again. Mm. Have I, have I got there? shorter? Yeah, if I shrunk. That thing where you rub your elbows and your arms get shorter. I learned in a book when I was five. It, it never fails. I know it stuns people. But um, uh, but Cardiff went on to win the match three one. Nick and their third goal hit the underside of that oh, wow. crossbar. There we this go. This is actually this is surely a, this is like a points deduction scandal. I, I think is this it's absolutely stunning. Is this is this going to become our Keezy, Mikel Arteta and the uh, the technical yeah. area? Yeah, wait but, till but Keezy finds this out does... about this in two weeks because that's how yeah. his news cycle works. <laughs> uh, or when that... you listen to this podcast tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that is the exact nightmare scenario that they would have been hoping to avoid when they when they made the decision to just play on, like hitting the underside and going in. That hit, that's off the bar. Two inches, surely that's just that's off the bar or not or bouncing down just not over the line. It's madness. Two inches is nothing. Um, Arsenal women travelled to play Ajax in the Champions League recently and uh, one of the goals was 10 centimetres lower than required and it was down to the Arsenal staff lower. to inform what was going on. Madness. They- you wouldn't expect that from Ajax as well. I, of all the clubs to get the fundamentals of the game wrong, you wouldn't expect that from Ajax. It's supposed to be an immaculate kind of footballing philosophy and they can't even get the side. But, but this increasing epidemic of this, Nick, makes me think... That it, I reckon the problem is so much wider than we than we realise. Because who's measuring their goals really? And Sunday League, Sunday League, the goals must be all over the shop. Who's measuring the goals at Sunday League? I mean, the, the height but, of a Sunday League goal is essentially a person on somebody else's shoulders putting the nets up. Yeah, no exactly. But but why are the heights of the goals changing? A Sunday League, for example, the goals are the goals. They just they get put up once at the start of, start of the season, and they well, and they remain get taken out, don't they? It's yeah, but stored away. But, do but they, are do, they are they, they taking they, the crossbar off every time? Yeah. They're not surely. It, it, it's the frame is is one, isn't it? It doesn't. I yeah, think it fastens on. The goals can sink into the turf, so it's the sinking of the goals oh, into right. the turf that affects the uh, affects the height. So there is a surely, solid base to this. It should be the yeah. I mean. It's, it's amazing that that's the that thing. Yeah, the installation of goals. It's, it is very worrying indeed. Going um, back, to, going back to right to the start of this. How does it take two hours to fix that? I have no idea why it takes two hours. Um, something to do with yeah. The explanation was that it would take two hours, literally, for the goal to sink in to the right. <laughs> Absolutely baffling. <laughs> um, just let that sink in for two hours, etc. Anyway, I. Um, it's it's an epidemic. I, I feel like this should be sort of a, I don't know a Daily Mail campaign or something to save our crossbars. Save our crossbars. <laughs> right. Next up, Dave Christopher Hilland writes in. It says Stephen Sidwell has just called Alexander Mitrovic the heartbeat of the Fulham side. But surely a striker can't be the heartbeat. A talisman, yes, but heartbeat has to be a playmaker. Surely, help. He says. I do see what he's getting at because in in stature he is. He is the sort of centre of the universe for for Fulham, but if you're looking at it literally, yeah, I don't know if it I don't know if it does work. I mean, so um, uh, Nick, I'm instinctively against the idea of a striker being the heartbeat of a team. But what is the heartbeat of a team? Is it necessarily someone who sets the tempo, sets the agenda, sets the tone, or is it someone who just happens to be in the middle of the pitch, kind of being the heart of that team? Is it a bit more figurative than that? Yeah, it feels like it should be like the 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 one who the, the the kind of leader, the one who motivates everyone, the the you know, the, the heart, or was that just the heart? Is the heart different to the heartbeat? I don't think mm, so. Interesting. They're roughly the same. I, I I don't think it's a footballing thing at all. I think it, it is an emotional stroke leadership thing. 
but I don't think a striker could be the heartbeat. Why not? I mean, if we were to do some empirical research on this, I'm pretty sure 90% of heartbeats would be midfielders. In, Mm. In fact, okay, I'm going to Google it. And the first player that comes up, this will settle the debate. And I'm Googling the phrase, he's the heartbeat of that team. Uh, this could be anything. First first one's rugby, so that's annoying. Here we go. Frank <laughs> Lampard is... is the heartbeat of the Chelsea team. Uh, there we go. are. That's it. And Frank Lampard was the heartbeat of the Chelsea team, right? Steven Gerrard was the heartbeat of the Liverpool team. Was John Terry not the heartbeat? No. 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 I, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that it can't be a defender or a striker. Certainly not. Imagine a goalkeeper being the heartbeat of a team. Awful. <laughs> the Joe heartbeat of a team. Rubbish. <laughs> Doesn't work. Um, settled. Done. I'm going to read out a following passage to you, Nick, and I want you to tell me who wrote it and where. The picture continues to evolve. This is a language in which quality and class are the adjectives of choice, where players' names are continuously pluralised, your messies and your grealishes, where them replaces those and your knows are liberally sprinkled through conversation. Such new tropes eventually become staples of our tribal talk, ones that often slip into the mainstream. The football tense, used especially when a player is replaying a situation in their heads. You know, the ball's come across, I've gone to hit it, but it's come off my shin is now everywhere. Wenger's contributions aside, our modern aversion to adverbs surely began on the football pitch, where a player has always done good or come away too quick. Is this OED related? Yes. Uh, and you know, you want to know who, who wrote it? Who knows their words better than anyone? Uh, is this you? No. <laughs> no. Funnily enough, it's Susie Dent oh. writing in the eye at the weekend. Stealing my material. I, I'm, I'm stunned by this. Worryingly close. To football cliches. Oh, but is it a come and get me plea? <laughs> we should ah. get Susie Dent onto MHD, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, she'd, or, I mean, she'd be great, yeah. Or, or, or is this, have you ever had, um, or have you or this podcast ever had a feud before? Do you think this could be the start of beef? Yeah, I'm not really up for it. <laughs> Should the opportunity to, uh, arise? Certainly no beef here. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm interested to know where she was doing her research. Um, but yeah, Susie Dent, very welcome on MHD. I don't know who she supports. Who do we think Susie Dent supports? I'm thinking either Palace or Arsenal. I'm thinking I, a kind of sort of lower league, relatively inoffensive, rural, a Shrewsbury perhaps, Cambridge, something like that. Should we find out? Let's find out. All right. According to Google, a very brief Google search, it appears to be Arsenal. Oh, good. Because we were we were short of Arsenal guests on MHD. Um, so that would be handy. Right, the clock's ticking. Only a month to go or so until the Football Clichés live show returns. We're right at the business end of ticket sales now. So if you want to join us at London's Earth on the 8th of November, Manchester's New Century Hall on the 15th of November, or Dublin's Liberty Hall Theatre on the 16th of November, just go to myticket.co.uk or just Google Football Clichés Live. Would you like to be the fountain of football knowledge within your friendship group, either down the pub or in the group chat? Because if so, the Athletic Football Tactics podcast is surely the podcast for you. I'm Ali Maxwell, and every week the Athletics Tactics guru Michael Cox, its data whiz Mark Kerry and myself take a tactical deep dive into the week's biggest talking points. This week we'll be assessing the ever-changing role of the modern number nine and wondering if it's having a renaissance, and if so, how Erling Haaland, Darwin Nunez and Gabriel Jesus's big summer moves have shaped that conversation. We're also taking a look at Manchester City against Liverpool and asking if this is still the biggest fixture that the Premier League has to offer or not. 
Make sure to check out our back catalogue too. Three years worth of episodes featuring more nostalgic lookbacks at iconic teams and seasons from yesteryear like Carlo Ancelotti's Christmas tree formation at AC Milan or Mesut Ozil's Arsenal legacy. It's good fun and the experts bring a ton of insight. So join us. Just search for the Athletic Football Tactics podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, welcome back. And now let's turn our attentions to Manchester United's 2-1 win over Everton at Goodison Park, which offered up so many Football clichés gems. This is from uh, Damodar Chowdhury, who noticed that on his commentary feed, when uh, Amadou Anana stole the ball off Casemiro for Everton's opening goal, commentators gave it the welcome to the Premier League treatment, Dave. Now, just to lay out the data here, this is Amadou Anana's eighth Premier League appearance, Casemiro's fifth Premier League appearance. Those two concepts combined makes it very worrying for me in a welcome to Premier League. First of all, Anana not entitled to dish out welcomes to the Premier League and Casemiro, he's already played four times. Someone who already have done it. Exactly. And Casemiro is, you know, well known for being a robust central midfielder. He's not some dainty number 10 who's come <laughs> over and is dribbling his way around the fences. He's been welcoming people to the burnabout for most of his career. Um, also, also, Dave, it, it wasn't a heavy challenge. It was a, it was a, it was a pocket picking at best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't count. Doesn't if, count. It, if, if it was James Tarkovsky or Connor Cody, Seamus Coleman, maybe... Barging him into the advertising buildings. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah, I agree. Um, The plot thickens here, Nick. 
Martin Greenacre writes in, says the French commentator for the Everton versus Manchester United game says, Benvenue en Premier League for Casemiro getting tackled by Anana. They love it over there too. You can't, you can't dish out the welcomes to a league that's not your own. Fuck off. <laughs> wow, we've, we've discovered your, where your parochialism starts. Our here. league. Our league. Good Lord. I don't mean to be trying to start beefs all over the place here, but this is you know, football cliches tells Canal Plus to fuck off. <laughs> Awful. Oh dear. I mean, I mean, their flagship TV football TV program is called Match of the Day. Stunning. Is hang on, is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, former football cliches guest Tom Williams. Is oh, the, that's uh, the one he's on. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, he's the kind of uh, anglophone voice of wisdom on this, and it's called Match of the Day, which is fine. Good cultural reach. Uh, all of this pales completely into insignificance with what I'm about to show you. This is brilliant. This is perhaps where all anti-VAR discourse was ever going to go. This is BT Sports' Ian Dark on VAR. Ball into the area, maybe just been offside if that had been in the back of the net. I'm not sure it would have fallen for Fernandez. Yeah, I think VAR would have had that yeah. one. It would have been done by the Thought Police, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the Thought Police! Oh. Do you think he might have meant fun police? No. It all becomes just one thing, doesn't it? Like, VAR is woke. And VAR v- is woke. Exactly. I'm not necessarily accusing Ian Dark of being one of those people, but it all, <laughs> it all fits into the kind of oeuvre, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. Oh, God. Oh God. I- this is where it was heading. Don't, Dave. don't give them any ideas. Honestly, <laughs> you can. I can just. I can see. I could see any number of culture war figures get, grabbing a hold of VAR and using it as an example of how everything's. You know, Richard Little, going Richard to the Little docks. John. Richard Little John must have written a, a, a column about this. You could not make it up, he says, as a goal is marginally disallowed for offside. By a toenail, a thought police. Honestly. Superb. Uh, a top 10 moment for the year as far as I'm concerned. Final thing from Goodison Park. Phil Green takes issue, Nick, with BT Sport describing Manchester United's equaliser against Everton as an instant reply. To recap, Everton took the lead after 4 minutes and 56 seconds. Manchester United equalised through Anthony on 14 minutes and 3 seconds. Uh, just just 547 <laughs> seconds between the goals. That's, that's an instant reply, right? Uh, yeah, I, I saw this tweet and I, the, the, the bloke was exactly right. He says uh, he's got to be under three, isn't it? Two or three and it's for an instant reply. The only saving grace I can think of here, Dave, is the fact that it was so early on in the game. To, to equalise in the 15th minute, it's could still it, early. So by could definition, it, be, uh, it could still be a swift reply, but not an instant. Swift, yeah, exactly. Or quick, swift, quick, yeah. quick fire... Response, rapid, rapid response. I don't know, but it's it's not a it's not an instant reply. You have to go down the other end, potentially in the next phase of play, but certainly within absolute maximum five minutes. Three certainly seems sensible, Nick. Yeah, instant reply in my head is the you're still watching the replays from the previous goal, and then it quickly cuts to the the other team approaching the penalty area or something like that. But hang that- on. That no. seems quite extreme to me, but well, I, but, maybe. But, yeah, but that should be the, the that should be where we're aiming for. I think, as we established, Dave, recently with um, oncoming substitutes and their instant impacts, 
we're looking at about 10 to 12 minutes ish for them well i think i went under 10 minutes yeah i said i think 10 minutes was my maximum there right and but we, we should be stricter that, yeah. with teams because they don't have to warm into the game exactly so much. yeah mm. yeah Agreed. different thing entirely yeah yeah yeah, 547 seconds. Could be anything. I don't know what that is. Right. Charlie writes in, Nick says, a fan behind me at West Ham versus Fulham today shouted, come on, Rice, get an assist. And I truly <laughs> don't know how I feel about this. I mean, even even being deep into fantasy footballdom wouldn't excuse this, would it? it well, you know, it, I mean, it, it, sound, it does sound like someone who just doesn't watch football at all and is just trying to, like when someone's, someone's dad who has no idea about football sticks his head around the corner sticks his head the door of a like a student house or something everyone's watching the football and goes go on kick it in the goal yeah, something like that yeah, exactly exactly it's that, right. it's that kind of thing but someone who's a little bit a little bit further down the path who's read about football in some places or as you say has, has played fantasy and you know doesn't know anything else that's um that's a really good observation and uh, one we're going to return to very shortly actually um but next up dave Stuart McDougall writes and says BBC Radio Scotland called Rangers versus St Mirren a top of the table clash on Saturday with the team sitting second and third. Can this be a top of the table clash? No. Oh, okay, the shaking, the, the emphatic shaking of heads here um, surprises me. I thought it could be a looser concept than this. Neither of the teams are top of the table, but they're at the top of the table. Well, the top end of the table, but they're not the you top. Think, of them. So a top of the table clash has to involve a team who are top. First be second, I think. Yeah, I, really? I agree. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah. I agree. Wow. I mean, this isn't me trying to play it safe after recent controversies. I'm really surprised. This is all on you, pal, because uh, people are going to be coming for you. First be <laughs> second. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be first be second. What? So you could have first be third? Are you saying? Yeah. I mean, if you take points into the equation, all you have to factor in are the would this team well, yeah, traditionally okay. be likely to be involved in a title race as well as Rangers so I'll, first I'll, be third and there was say only three points separating them oh yeah I was, gonna, I was just going to say I'll modify it slightly by saying it, it, I'll take I'll accept first v third if third can go top with a win oh okay oh I do yeah. well that's that's a nice little caveat but there are other things we can use here Nick you could have just said second meets third or you know and it's and that's enough that still rams home the uh, significance of the game so yeah a, a, a top yeah. three clash that's fine Okay. Is that a thing? Is no. that a thing? Oh, I'm, I'm, actually, as soon as that left my mouth, I was you know, rethinking it. Although, oddly, Dave, I said second meets third. I think that should be the other way around. Is it third meets second? I feel like you have to start at the upper number and go down. You don't. And it's care, second v third today. Oh, okay. It's yeah, third mate. v second today. <laughs> Sorry, he's doing I, a bit no, of football think... reporter voice on and now yeah. he knows. <laughs> I think it's second v th- I think you'd go with second. Yeah, second fine. v third. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Or um, maybe maybe you go with the home, home team yeah. first, maybe. Why not? Why not? Um, fascinated to know how you feel about this next one this is Jack Watkins and Sam Copson both wrote in after they heard Tony Pulis on 5 Live describing Tottenham's goal against Brighton so Richarlison was taken out and we went back to the sort of Son Kane partnership it was the Son Kane partnership that that got the winner yeah it came from a set play that they regurgitated the, the, the ball from the corner came out to him he shaped <laughs> as though he was going to cross came back inside and he whipped the ball across the near post and, and Kane does what he does uh, quite literally sickening. <laughs> uh, regurgitated the ball from a corner. Again, it feels like we should be saying it's not right, but we know what he means. I'm, I'm not entirely, 100% sure I do know what that means. I think like, Brighton like regurgitated se- the ball because they cleared it, but only sort of right, a okay. little bit. And then Tottenham recycled the ball and got it back in and then Kane right. scored. But I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm all for kind of balls being regurgitated from corners only as far as the opposition player, Dave. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Uh, meanwhile at Tottenham, news emerges in David Ornstein's column on The Athletic this week that they are close to striking a deal, or rather they are in meaningful talks with Google over naming rights for the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Now, Nick, at first glance, this looks like a, a great deal, like a you know a, a huge name to be associated with. It, it it's, doesn't have a particularly kind of awkward sound to it. It could fit a stadium. And then I thought about it some more. And you think, in 5, 10, 15 years' time, can you really imagine saying, oh, yeah, we'll get back to the Google? Because <laughs> that's what will happen. It won't be the Google Stadium. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you going to the, you up to the Google today? You can't say it. It just doesn't work. The Google. No, you're right. You're quite right. And all, all, there's all those kind of public transport implications around it as well. They're going to rename the station the Google Road Station or whatever. Well, Google Road sounds like that could be a like could be a Scottish third division ground or something. <laughs> yeah. well, well, are they going to lovely old stadium at Google Road? Yeah. Is, <laughs> is there anything that they could add that would stop people from removing the stadium? So yeah, as you you are quite right. If it's called the Google Stadium, people will just shorten it to Google. But is there anything that you can add to the end of that that will make people stop? Google Dome? The Google... Google Dome. Uh, Google Arena? People still lose the arena, I think. Google yeah. Dome... What if, they, what, what, if they, what if they sort of sub-brand it and they call it, like, the Pixel by Google Stadium? Or, <laughs> I wouldn't know. rule that out. I mean, Google are so massive, so sprawling a brand... I wouldn't rule out it being a kind of sub you know, sub brand of the Google umbrella, well, the Google well, Hangouts well, Arena. What if they went the other way? Because actually, the parent company of Google is Alphabet, isn't it? They could call it the Alphabet Arena, <laughs> which is nice. Very CBBC, <laughs> uh, which uh, which is fitting given Harry Kane's uh, new venture into yeah. uh, bedtime stories, which I'm going to be watching with my offspring. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Um, but the Google Google Road is great. I'm, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> over this. It's, there's definitely a very throwback appeal to this. I'm all for it. Right. Finally, the adjudication panel. This is from Michael Kashani, who has drawn my attention to the Reuters match report for Udinese 2, Atalanta 2. Here we go. Atalanta doubled their advantage 11 minutes into the second half when they were awarded a penalty for Destiny Udoji's risky tackle on Muriel. The fouled Colombian calmly pushed the ball in with the tip of his boot for his 50th league goal with Atalanta. What? The fouled Colombian calmly pushed the ball in with the tip of his boot, Nick. Someone else replied saying it's a little bit uh, Mills and Boone. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. Good Lord. Um... So uh, have we uh, have we seen? So I went and found what the goal. Ha- what's happened? Yeah. So I went and found the goal, and it's a pretty standard bottom left corner by a right-footed player penalty. There's nothing particularly right. kind of um, nothing pushy or tippy. about it. Well, he didn't creep up to the ball and then poke it in or anything like that. It was a pretty standard penalty, uh, but described by Reuters as pushing it in with the tip of his boot calmly. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? That's yeah. really odd. Expect better from Reuters. Do you, do you think they just didn't have the football person on it? It's like, um, sorry, mate. I, I know you're. I know you're sort of knee deep in the Ukraine stuff right now. But would you mind just <laughs> knocking out this quick match report for Unesi Two Atalanta Two? Just say what you see. It's, it's pretty easy. I mean, no one really reads this stuff, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's fine. There are there are only so many ways to describe a penalty being dispatched, and so nice nice to see new ones. Right. Anyway, it's time for keys and grey. Corner. Corner. 
Super Sunday. First up, I thought the tide began to turn this weekend, Dave. Because people of all persuasions, not just Arsenal, are starting to note that Mikel Arteta spends a lot of time outside his technical area. Keezy's right. Keezy's onto something. He was always onto something, but now he's kind of morally right. I couldn't help but notice my eye was drawn to to Arteta every time there was a shot of of the managers on their touchline. He, and he's always just... He's always just one or two steps out. It's, it's not like... He, he's not really... It wasn't running down the touchline like Jose Mourinho. No. Although he has, he has, he has had a few. There was a notable example last season at Watford where he and ran down okay, the touchline to they... get the ball. But that's oh, sort of, I see. That's, okay, right. And that's he threw bad. it back Can't in quickly. Yeah. yeah, but but generally he's just just going that little bit over the line. It's almost like I'm not touching you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do anything. But you are still doing it. I, I had a, I had a very similar thing, and I kept watching the game yesterday. I kept noticing him be out, but I couldn't decide whether his encroachment has become so egregious that it's impossible to ignore it, or I'm just noticing it because I've been poisoned by Keezy. Yeah, this Which... is the thing. I think the brainwashing is now in full motion. I mean, there was there was a great still image that went round of a fourth official pointing Arteta back to his technical area, as if just just to show you know they do care, they do know it's happening. But I got I'm so a meter. I'm a meter. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I got, I got <laughs> so into this. I, I booked out a one-hour slot on the Athletic <laughs> Y Scouts calendar um, to log into Y Scout, and I got my stopwatch, and I was going to time how much of the game Mikel Arteta spent outside of his technical area. Unfortunately, the camera angle wasn't wasn't too um, friendly for this, and I also realised that it was an hour of my life that I truly, truly would regret. So I stopped. I stopped myself and I didn't want to become full keys. But um, but the world knows now. And that's the interesting thing. Everyone's thoroughly enjoying it. And uh, so... Uh, but if you want to go the whole hog though, mm. perhaps, perhaps there's a, a willing candidate at the Athletic who'll be prepared to do this for you. But we should look at, we should look at all the managers, really. Is it just Arteta? Who else is outside the technical area? Mm. There must be, I bet there's some. If, if Moyes is out of his technical area, I'd be surprised. But I, yeah... But he's got know. the biggest one, though. Exactly, so that's the hard thing. Hard for him to be out of it. Yeah, that's crucial. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. You might see it on the Athletic soon. Um, but I, just didn't, I didn't want to go that deep into it. Uh, so I wouldn't call it a moral victory for Keezy. I'd call it a moral score draw, at least. Right, um, I was saying earlier about how Keezy just takes a little while to get up to the speed of the news cycle. On their very belated Keys and Grey podcast, out on Monday morning, here they are tucking into the English language. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's iconic squeaky bum time mm-hmm. phrase and Jose Mourinho's parking the bus have been added to the Oxford English Dictionary as it updates... 15 football-related terms, including Gagan pressing, wow. Rosette. Yeah, uh, Gagan pressing is often said to have been introduced and favoured by several German managers. Which, well, we now know Ralph Rangnick, yeah. Klopp, Thomas Tuchel. Hello. It's described as a style of play in which a team, upon losing possession, puts immediate and intensive pressure on the opposition, even deep in the opposition's half, right. in an attempt to Jesus. regain the ball. Of the, Christ. <laughs> I say this. Oh, the earliest opportunity. Why this has never been done why before. Why didn't we think of that? The, uh, who? Well, when we were playing back in the 70s. Well, you should have done. Oh, 
What was it called back then, then? Uh, uh, trying to win the ball back. <laughs> yeah! Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> that's a sweeper or something like that. He's, he's the one that's sort <laughs> of um, uh, a tactical term for an attacking player oh. who operates in the space between the midfielders the and the strikers whose primary role is to create opportunities. The track <laughs> that's Christopher Sullivan. God. It does what? make me laugh. What? The 10. A 10? Yeah. Number 10. <laughs> is that not in it? It is in it, yes. And is, is an 8 in it? No, and no, six. No, they're just they're, that's that's <laughs> dull. No, these these are these are fancy descriptions, oh. aren't they? So there we are. That's all. <laughs> that's it. More to follow. There was no way that they, any even breezy discussion of gay compressing Nick was was going to go without one of them saying, "Well, what do we used to call it?" Uh... <laughs> it's, I don't know whether this the, that section makes me. More or less confident that they they're they're onto us and they're they're yeah. listening in. That was note perfect, mm. almost almost you too could perfect. Not write that, it any better? No. Isn't that exactly what we said last week that that someone of that of that ilk would say? So almost almost too on the nose. Yeah. Finally, on keys and grey corner, uh, if either of you or anybody were wondering which single digit number was best read out in a Richard Keys voice, well. Here we go. Erling Haaland. I didn't know until I was looking around this week, last night, in mm. fact, doing a little bit of research. He once scored nine goals in one game. A proper game? A kids yes, game? under-20s game. FIFA, World Cup game. Under-20s, World Cup. Nine. Nine, Andy. It's not bad, is it? Not bad. She should have got ten. He must have settled that day as well. Well, he, he, <laughs> actually, if you see, if you can go on YouTube and have a look. He did. Did he? Yes. Oh, wow. Nine. Uh. Nine goals in one game. This wasn't a friendly, this is yeah. an under-20s World Cup. <laughs> nine. False nine. I can't remember what it's like to dial a number from a telephone without hitting nine first. <laughs> Hello? It's a reception, sorry, I must have hit a zero. <laughs> then, I was at a friend's house the other night. I was trying to make a phone call. I thought there was something wrong with the phone. I'd been hitting nine, Len. I felt like a ruddy idiot. <laughs> There we go. We've ended the Football Cliché podcast by picking out a word that Richard Keyes says and then comparing it to Partridge. Uh, there really is no further place for the discourse to go, is there, Nick? We've done it. Nope. We've done it all. I think we've got that boxed off. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks to you, Dave. Thank you. The usual exasperated look on your face after one hour of Football Clichés podcasting. Uh, thanks very much to you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Goodbye. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.